0: Welcome to the No Rain No Rainbows Podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's Grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows Podcast. We appreciate you listening. And being with us here today, and we have a great episode in store, I can promise you that. But first, I always want to give a shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles, Suttles Solution Media, helping to make this podcast possible. Be sure to check him out. If you haven't followed him on Instagram, that's at The Empowerment Coach. But enough of that, let's get to today's episode where we are sitting on the call with award-winning speaker, performer, the founder of the CB Foundation for Burn Victims. That's the only introduction I got to give for my man right here, Cody Burns. Welcome, man.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Glad to be here with you guys. This is going to be fun.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. And of course, it always makes the ride a little more exciting when our audience has a little bit of insight into who the guest is. And it's always a great opportunity for the guest to kind of paint the picture of who they are for our audience. Because I know I would just mess it up anyway. So <laughs> why not introduce yourself and let's <laughs> know who you are, man?
1: Yeah. So name is Cody Burns, and the name is very ironic. Uh, Once people get familiar with me and my story, because I'm a burn survivor, and so my response to that is it's okay to laugh. I enjoy laughter. I welcome it, and I uh, don't mind if people, you know, laugh. At me, as long as they don't make jokes, because as a burn survivor, I hate to get roasted. So that's uh, the only thing I ask. So this is going to be fun. But growing up, I am originally from southern Indiana. I now live in Tampa, Florida, and uh, wild imagination as a young boy and still the same way. Great family, great community, small town community in southern Indiana, And I captured the vision for my life at a very young age. And that stemmed from me falling in love with a very special skill. Uh, My family took me to the circus and I fell in love with juggling. And I taught myself how to juggle at a very young age. A couple years later, I would go to a kid's camp at my local church. And like most camps, there's activities during the day, lake to swim in, all kinds of fun stuff. But at night, there was a special camp speaker. And this speaker also had a special skill to go along with his message, and it was juggling. So immediately as a little boy, I was like, all right, I'm digging this. I love it. It's right up my alley. But as I sat there, I seen how he was taking the, the skills, his talents and combining it with the message. And I realized he wasn't up on the platform for self-glorification. He was up there to truly give us kids a message of hope, give us something of value. And the message was hitting home with me and something on the inside of me in that moment said, this is what I'm called to do. This is what I'm here, here on this earth for. And that's to spread a message of hope. And so all through my young years, I pursued that. I did entertainment, I worked on the skills, did a lot of fun stuff, I uh, started speaking in schools, doing fairs, festivals. And then after high school, I went to a, a ministry program in Rockford, Illinois, went there for a year. And then I got my pastoral credentials. And at the same time, after that, I became a children's pastor. And along with being a children's pastor, I. Got to speak to kids every week at the church and do a lot of outreach events throughout our community. And I got to travel the country and speak at camps, conferences. I mean, you name it, all kinds of fun stuff. And I was just starting to really do some international stuff. In 2013, I was 23 years old, just got back from doing some work in Cuba. Was there for almost two weeks uh, working with leaders and thousands of kids. And I just had so much fun. But living that purpose for my life, wanting to let people know that no matter what happens in this life, there's hope, there is a better tomorrow, encouraging people, loving on people, making them laugh. That's what I've always been about. And then in 2013, my life took a drastic turn. I'll pause there if you want to say anything. Yeah,
0: no, because that's exactly where the first question I was going to ask was in terms of where your story is now. And I love that that context because It kind of helps us get to where you are. It actually answers one of the questions I had later on of the fact of the moment your life changed and I'm assuming, and obviously as we're talking about is, you know, 2013 and a lot of us, and as we talk about the the common trend in No Rain, No Rainbows, you know, being someone who's in the business of forecasting and looking ahead to what the weather's going to be. Even when I forecast a day of scattered showers and thunderstorms, I can't pinpoint the exact time at which it's going to happen. I can give you a time frame i can give you a range it's probably going to happen in this hour to that hour but i can't specifically with certainty tell you the exact moment it's going to happen and that's the same thing that happens for a lot of us in our lives we never see it coming 2013 doubt we saw it coming what was that moment like and, and what happened in the immediate moments following hmm
1: well First of all, I I love that, the connection you just made there. That's powerful. And, And it's so true. So, you know, as I was sharing, you know, 23 years old, fulfilling that vision that I always seen myself doing, giving hope. Up until this point, I had spoken to thousands across the nation and even other parts of the world. Cuba, Puerto Rico, I was starting to really venture out. And then it was in May May of 2013. It was actually May 31st. It was a Friday afternoon. And, you know, that morning, woke up. It was just like any other morning. Had my shower, breakfast, went to my office, started doing some work, getting everything ready. I had a meeting in Vincent's, Indiana at a university. I was going to be doing a comedy juggling special there the following weekend. And met with the directors of the university. Everyone was excited. And I was just, all right, this is great had a lunch meeting with them, had a, I think I had a Jimmy John's. I think is what I had a good, good sub. So everything's good. Friday afternoon, driving back. And on my drive back, everything would go black almost as if I didn't exist. And everything I share, whenever I speak do podcasts, TV shows, whatever it may be, I always say, this is a, uh, this information that I share is strictly from police reports, witnesses, first responders, Because I don't remember none of it. Thank God I don't. But I remember just driving. Things go black. But what I'm told is that I was stopped at a red light on the highway. It was Highway 41 in Indiana. And the speed limit was 60, 65 miles per hour. I was stopping in a van. There was a van in front of me. And I was in a Dodge Durango. And there was a refrigerator box truck that failed to stop. It was actually going full highway speed. It rear-ended the back end of my Dodge, on impact of the truck hitting my Dodge Durango. My car blows up into flames. The van in front of me went to one side of the intersection. Mine was pushed through into an embankment. And up on the scene, when first responders came, just by the looks of it, they said, it's a fatality. There's no way anybody could survive this. So they had already called the corner, and they was helping the individual that was in the van that was in front of me. Fortunately, she was okay. I, on the other hand, was left for dead. And for those that are interested, there's images that they can go online and they can actually look. Sheriff's Department took hundreds. and I'm very glad that they did because it's one thing sharing the story. But when you see the images, it really puts it in perspective. But one of the first responders, they, to their amazement and to mine, they saw my hand move. And that little bit of movement changed everything for me. And I've talked with a lot of these men and women that were on the scene that day. And they told me, they said, yeah, Cody, if you had not moved your hand, you would have burned alive that day because they had already just assumed I was out. And I always take that. And I I think there's a powerful message in that because I think a lot of people in life, they have found themselves at different stoplights. You know, maybe that is a sudden divorce, a sudden death in the family. Maybe they're losing their job whatever it may be. And these stoplights all leave us in difficult circumstances where we're trapped in the heat of life and we don't know what's next. And for me, even though I don't remember it, I think it's quite powerful that that little bit of movement changed things for me. The first responder said that I was talking to them. I told them who I was, where I worked, everything. I don't remember none of it, thank God. But that little bit of movement changed it made a difference and so i always tell people that you know what can a little bit of movement do for you and your situation it starts today baby steps it may not be a lot but it starts with taking action and for me it made a big difference it took them an hour to get me out of that thing they put me on a stretcher they life-flighted me to a hospital in evansville indiana which is the southern part of indiana the southern part of the state then they redirected me to indianapolis indiana They had just gotten one room open up at their burn unit because I needed to go to a specialized unit. I couldn't just be treated in any hospital. So it was one burn unit. Actually, there was three that they was looking at, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Cincinnati, or sorry, I think it was Cincinnati or uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And then uh, Indianapolis had one bed open. They just got it open. They took me there. They put me in a coma on full life support, and I don't remember nothing. Nothing for three weeks. I drive, everything is black. And then three weeks later, I'm waking up and I hear the voices of my family and more specifically, my mom. I remember her telling me, so Cody, you know, you've been severely burned. You have burn injuries. 40% of your body is burned. You have broken vertebrae. You've been in a coma, life support three weeks, your recovery. It's not going to be an easy journey. But no matter what, don't lose sight of your vision. And those words stuck with me, and they still do to this day. And I think it's powerful and so important that we all have individuals and in are in that moment when life knocks us down to remind us of what is most important. So my mom's words, they hit home with me. However, that was only the, only the beginning of my journey. I'll pause there, let you uh, chime in here. Well,
0: no, because, I mean, that that's an amazing moment to... Go from driving home on a Friday afternoon to opening your eyes, hearing your your mom's voice and, you know, getting the unfortunate news quickly followed by don't lose sight of your vision. It's almost like the storm came, but the reminder right away was, hey, the storm came, but it's just a storm on the way to where you're going. This is not a pullover over." and stop this is a we're gonna have a little bit of a a tumultuous couple miles if if not a few more than that how important was it for you to hear those words in that moment and how did that play in in, into what i could imagine was a long road to recovery afterwards because i can only imagine the peaks and valleys that happen one day being great next day not so much i can only imagine how how much of a a experience it could
1: be yeah and it was extremely traumatizing to be awakened to only be told that three weeks of your life had already gone by because when you're out of it you know time it does it just flies by i wasn't really aware of what took place and just to kind of emphasize on the injuries it was my face had second degree burns second degree burns do not scar Then I had third and fourth degree burns. I never knew there was such a thing as fourth degree burns. But what that is is burns through all of your fat cells down to bone and muscle. And in some cases it requires amputation. And I had a broken vertebrae, torn ligaments. I had a blood infection in the the unit, pneumonia. I mean, all kinds of stuff happened. And, And it was a long road to recovery. But the words that my mom spoke were powerful and they still are powerful to this day. Because I think, just as I was saying, you know, we all need people in our lives to remind us of what is most important. And my mom, she knew that I had a vision for my life. She knew that I was making an impact before the injury. And she had hope that I would make an even bigger impact after this. But at the same time, she also knew that I had every right to give up and play the victim. And there's many people in today's world, they may have every right to play the victim card. It certainly can be easy. But my mom, she believed that that there was something greater on the other side for her son. And just as she believed in me as a speaker, everywhere I go, I remind people. Why do I remind people to not lose sight of what is most important? Because I believe. I believe in them. Just as my, my mom believed in me, I believe in all Of these individuals around the world that no matter what life brings you there is a better tomorrow
0: why is this so important for people to have that belief because i often find like someone who believed in me before i truly can embrace the belief in myself it's often someone else that sees our gifts before we see it in ourselves and sometimes it's when somebody kind of holds up the mirror like this is what you're capable of that it starts to click for folks how important is it to have that? And, and here's the, the big question, because I'm trying to think of the listener right now who might not have that person in their lives to remind them of what's important. You know, how can we maybe generate that belief in ourselves?
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's a great question. And I, I personally believe that we all need each other. Everybody needs somebody. And when you do life together, it's often a lot better. For me, my mother's words, they meant the world to me. However, I had a lot of other people that were speaking life and hoping to me in my situation. Mentors, as I shared, I was a children's pastor, so I had a lot of pastors, spiritual leaders that were praying for me, encouraging me, because it was easy to fall into that mindset of, why me? You know, woe is me, go into a state of depression. And I did fight depression, I'll be honest and real. So I had those moments where I'm grateful to be alive. Other moments I'm wondering why? You know, why would I have to go through this? And and it's only natural. I mean, we're human. But we need people. Everybody needs somebody because just as this podcast is encouraging folks, a good book does the same. I believe we are a byproduct of our environment. And the people you surround yourself with is often who you will become, become like. There's always that big saying of, you know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And if you want positive results to come about in your life, find those individuals that are living a positive lifestyle. It will make a tremendous difference. And for me, it certainly did. And there are folks, though, they tell me all the time, well, Cody, you know, I didn't have a family that was very supportive of me, I had nobody there for me like that. And I always tell them, the moment you turn 18, or the moment you have the ability to start making some decisions with your life, you are in charge of your life, so to speak. And you are in charge of finding those people that care about you. There is a lot of folks out there. It's just a matter of doing some research and forming those relationships. And I had a lot of people that I knew before the accident. And I know even more so now, and still I have people in my life. They're encouraging me. I have weekly phone calls with coaches, mentors, people that are guiding me. And it's just, it's super important. If you want growth in, in the right direction, then it's vital that you have people that are encouraging you to do such. Yeah.
0: It sounds like intentionality of it all is, is kind of the the pace that that dictates the direction in which we go. And the intentionality to build that environment, build those people in our lives. Also build the mindset. One of the questions I had, and this is why I think you somewhat answered it before with the story of, you know, when, when that happened to you in 2013, there was a long road to recovery. And there was a lot of challenges, I'm sure, in that path and probably even still so today. But the mindset to come as far as you've come to also, quite frankly, have the humor that you have with it and have the positivity and the spirit. I boil it down from my best interpretation of it is a rock hard mindset and a solid mindset on positivity, love, and joy. And I guess my question is, was that mindset solidified, grown, watered, and nurtured before 2013? Or was it something that kind of was born out of the experience?
1: Mm. I think some of it was certainly set in motion years ago because I grew up from a faith-based background and being in that environment that was always positive, it made a big difference. That foundation being laid out early on. However, you know, when tragedy strikes, you know, our faith and our message and everything we're about gets put to the test. And so I certainly grew a lot during this.
0: What would you say to somebody, because we all carry our own personal scars. I think a lot of listeners have their own burns that have actualized their different experiences, right? It's not always an accident and a stoplight. You know, you mentioned it could be the divorce. It could be a lost job. You know, maybe the pandemic has hit someone really, really hard and they're having a hard time accepting those scars or living with those scars. How can we embrace the scars in our lives and, and turn the narrative around
1: yeah so and i'll answer that with kind of talking some about my book and, and so the book is titled scar release breaking free of yesterday's troubles and just as you were sharing you know scars they're not always physical a lot of them are emotional And I think most of them are emotional. Everyone in life, they will be burned in some way, shape, or form to some degree. And those burning moments create scars. And for me, I always loved doing the or giving the illustration about my hands. So my hands had been scarred really bad. They were fourth degree burned. They actually wanted to amputate a few of my fingers. And my family said, no, do whatever you can to save his fingers. He juggles. Of course, you can imagine the surgeon's face. Probably like, really? So they were, they was able to save my fingers by the way, but for the sake of the illustration here. So as a burn survivor, I have contracture scars and when a contracture scar occurs over the top of the joint, it can limit the mobility of that joint. And so my hands, my web spaces, they had contracted to the point that I couldn't even really hold onto a bottle of water. And I was going in and out of therapy Because mind you, the hospital experience, I was in the burn unit for two and a half months. I had to go to a rehabilitation center for six weeks. I had to relearn to walk. I had to relearn to use my hands. I had to do almost two years of nonstop outpatient physical and occupational therapy, many surgeries. It was a long haul to get to the place where I am today. But I remember going in there, you know, and the therapist told me, said, Cody, you're going to need to have surgery. So I go to Indianapolis to the burn unit and the surgeons there Uh, We're also plastic surgeons. So they begin to assess my hands and they say, we're going to need to do a surgical contraction release, otherwise known as a scar release. And during that procedure, they go in, they cut the scar at its root and it frees you up and it allows you to be mobile again. However, a scar release procedure does not remove the appearance of a scar. It allows the mobility to move with the scar. And that's what I try to teach people in my book. And even whenever I go speaking at places is that scars, even though they are permanent, it's just a matter of not allowing them to keep you limited in your everyday life. And just as those joints on my hand were affected, there's different areas in which people find themselves affected and immobile. Maybe that is being a good parent because Maybe they didn't have the greatest examples growing up. Who knows? Maybe they got cheated on in their marriage. Their spouse went out on them. So now they struggle with trust issues and having other relationships with people. A lot of the scars, I think they go really deep. And oftentimes they go back to our childhood. And I will say that many people don't take the time to examine their lives to really find out what the root of the issue is. And when they don't do that, it makes it all the more harder for them to embrace the scars in which they carry because they haven't truly found what the issue is and they haven't truly broken free of that. When you find what it is that you're struggling with and you break free of it, then you're able to really truly embrace it. And it's powerful. And out of that, not only are you able to embrace it, but then you go to celebrating it because it made you a better person. And that's something thing that I teach with the epic steps and so there's a whole acronym that I share but I'm going to pause there before I get into that
0: well I just want to acknowledge how beautifully that was expressed in the scars and and releasing the scars but the scars still being present I really hope our listeners were able to kind of take that into perspective because I think that's a perfect depiction on on how we can kind of go through that growth and in that process please share the acronym if you don't mind
1: I'd love to hear it. Yeah, yeah. So I teach this. And for those that are interested, they can actually go to epiclifegameplan.com and they can download these steps for free. They just put their name and email in. It's about a 10-page PDF. It kind of explains it more in depth than what I'm going to do here today. But EPIC is an acronym. The E stands for Embrace Challenges. How did I get back up after being knocked down? I had to embrace the scars in which I now carry. I had to understand that I cannot change it. Cannot change the past. The only thing I can change is what might happen tomorrow. But it's all a matter of what I do today. That that makes the difference. Embrace challenges. Challenges will always present themselves at one level or another. It's just a part of life. Then we have the P, which is provide perspective. Perspective. What are the lessons I can learn through this difficult experience? How can I reframe my pain? Pain is one of the greatest teachers. We learn a lot through our pain. So you find those lessons. And then we have the I, which is implement change. Apply those lessons to your life. And then the C is my most favorite, and that is celebrate. Celebrate your story celebrate the fact that you're here, that you're alive. It's made you a better person. And then out of that celebration, you serve others. And when you begin to look outside of yourself to the world around you and serve others, life takes on a whole new meaning. And to me, I have the greatest job in the world because I not only do I get paid for what I do, but I get to encourage people and I get to make a difference in somebody else's life. And to me, no dollar amount can compare to I'm giving hope. I'm living a life on purpose, what I believe I'm called to do. And every time I get on a platform, whether it be by podcasts, virtual events, live stages, you know, it's like it's so therapeutic for me because just as I'm helping others, it's helping me. It's encouraging me to know that what I'm doing is truly making a difference. Yeah,
0: it absolutely is. The way you articulate, the way you share your story and everything you've been through, Cody, I know it's making an impact to our listeners. And, and I'm glad that your mission continues impacting folks on stage and the juggling too. I, I love that. Like, Hey, save his fingers. He's a juggler. Um, <laughs> one question I did write down to that, speaking of juggling is, you know, what has juggling taught you about life and what can it teach us about life? Uh, what take mm. you get through that?
1: Well, there is, there is so much, there's so many lessons when you use the metaphor or analogy of juggling and so that's something i, I really love doing and so i'm glad you asked me that <laughs> and so with, with juggling you know just to kind of paint the picture it, uh, years ago i used to be able to juggle seven balls at once and it, it takes a lot of balls to do that trick might i add but I was, I was pretty good pretty good at the juggling and today i can't juggle seven balls but i can juggle five And I I can't do some of the tricks I used to do before the injury, but I make the most of what I can do. And that in itself is a powerful message. But I think with juggling, you know, before all this happened, you know, I got paid money to go juggle and do things. And I won awards for what I did. Juggling is one of those crafts that you practice. Practice makes perfect when it comes to to juggling, but at the same time, I think we I still have days where I drop the ball and there's a lot of people in life. Maybe they could relate. Maybe they drop the ball in their exercise routine, or maybe they're not there for their spouse or for their children. There's different moments where we, some days we're really good. Other days we're not so good. And so, but it's just a matter of picking up the ball and keep back at it. And I was just sharing the story of how I was asked to do a circus show. And it's in San Francisco. And, uh, they flew me out and I got to do my juggling act with the San Francisco orchestra and all these people, a couple thousand people in this auditorium, beautiful auditorium. And I was right there, live performance. And I dropped the ball right there in the middle of my act. And I just think to myself, if I would have given up and that moment just walked off the stage, the audience, it would have been very awkward but the audience wouldn't have had much respect for what I did. However, the very fact that I picked up the ball and I kept going, that made a difference. And at the end of my performance, I still received a heck of an applause. And so it's just a matter of not giving up in those moments because we've all we've all dropped the ball at different times in our lives. But keep back at it. Press forward. Keep
0: back up. Keep juggling. Keep on going. Yeah. Cody, I wish we had more time because I feel like we've only scratched the surface. So even though our time might be up, I won't take it from our audience and I'll make sure that they have a way to connect with you, follow up with you, learn more from you, keep up with when when you're going to be in town, you know, maybe where they are. We do have a worldwide audience, so definitely would love for them to kind of get the benefits of the services that you provide. How can folks reach out, connect with you? And and you also mentioned the free 10 page PDF they can get access to also.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the the PDF is available at epiclifegameplan.com. My website, codyburns.com, C-O-D-Y-B-Y-N-S.com. They can learn more about me. I'm very active on social media at the Cody Burns on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. My email, info at CodyBurns.com. If they have any questions whatsoever, please feel free to reach out. The The book is available on Amazon and they can buy it through Kindle or paper format. Awesome. And I'll have
0: all those links in the show notes for folks to kind of open up the app right now, hit it, and they'll get right to those destinations and those links. But this has been amazing. And Cody, I thank you for taking the time for sharing with us. And I am so glad that that little bit of movement that day changed everything.
1: Oh, thank you so much, brother. And I'm grateful as well. And I am so honored and blessed to meet you and to be part of your show. I look forward to uh, connecting again, maybe in person in the future.
0: Absolutely. Hey, if ever you're in Charlotte, we'd love to, to hear from you. And I'll do the same if I'm in Tampa. Heck, yeah. so really quick, to wrap up some of the things that you said along the way for our listeners as we come to the close of the episode, because I know that a lot of listeners are either in the car, sometimes they're cleaning, whatever you might be doing, you might not always have a paper and pen with you when listening to the episode. Luckily, I do. So one of the takeaways, one of the first things that Cody said was, if I had not moved my hand, dot, dot, dot. It's all about that little bit of movement. Right at, Right now, you could be in the thick of the storm, looking around, not knowing where to go, but the next step is that step that's needed. That next step might just be the step that's needed to get you to where you need to go, to where you want to go, to the other end of that storm and to your rainbow. So don't, don't hesitate to make that small bit of movement towards the direction that you want to go. Don't lose sight of your vision. If you're on the highway and a storm pops up overhead, You know which exit you're going towards. You know which direction you're traveling. You might have to turn the hazards on, slow down a little bit, go to a crawl, but you keep pushing towards where you're going because you are certain of where you're going. That's why you keep going. And people have people in your lives that know what's most important. We all know the passenger in the car that can help us through that storm, who has the map or nowadays the Waze app or the Google Maps app, Apple app, whichever it is. They're helping navigate you through those storms, those roadblocks and Everything else in between and also reminding you of the destination along the way. Everybody needs somebody and don't let your scars limit you. I think that was the perfect depiction of the scar release surgery where the scar still remains. It's just the limitations that kind of get released. And they start by cutting at the root of the scars. How many of us still have some deep work to do to get to the root of some of our scars internally and emotionally to uh, release the limit that they're putting on us? Finally... There are still days where I drop the ball. We all know that this thing called life, we do the best that we can at it. Some days we do better than others. And the days that you drop the ball, as Cody said, pick it back up, keep juggling, keep going. And at the end, you still get the standing ovation. I appreciate you guys making it to the end. I thank Cody for his story and sharing his inspiration with us along the way. I thank you guys for making it to the end. And as always, I encourage you to share this episode. If you think someone will benefit from it, it's the best compliment you can give us. If that's too much to ask, make sure you at least subscribe so you can get a new episode each and every week. And if you do love the podcast so much and you want to support on a monetary level, be sure to subscribe to our, our Patreon page. where We can hear extra content from our guests like Cody and others. And of course, we'll continue to bring you that extra content each and every single week. But guys, thank you so much for making it to the end. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow.